0: I'm going to introduce our next speaker, Dr. Vivian Bukai. She serves on the volunteer faculty as clinical assistant professor in the Department of Physician Assistant Studies at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, Texas. She received her undergraduate degree from the Johns Hopkins University and her medical degree from Baylor College of Medicine. After completing her dermatology residency at the Baylor College of Medicine in 1991, Dr. Bukai opened her private practice in Mexico City, where she practiced for eight years until relocating to San Antonio, Texas in 1999. Dr. Bukai is recognized nationally and internationally for her expertise in minimally invasive facial rejuvenation through the combined use of botulinum toxin, injectable fillers, and laser skin resurfacing. She is passionate about skin care and has been quoted and featured in several publications including Shape, More, Good Housekeeping, and Allure. Dr. Bukai has been recognized yearly as a Texas Super Doctor in Texas Monthly Magazine since 2004. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Vivian Bukai.
1: Oops. Good morning, everybody, and sorry I overslept. I can't even give any better excuse than why I didn't present the last hour. And, uh, in fact, I just got back from Singapore where I was lecturing on hyperpigmentation and treatment strategies for a new product that we should hopefully be getting stateside very soon. And uh, with that, I uh, I just want to say thank you very much to everybody again for inviting me, and uh, I'll get to talk about something more more uh, more fun this year than last year's talk. Those are all my disclosures. And, uh, and really it takes a combination approach. I found these little magnets in Barcelona a couple of years ago, and it more or less expresses pretty much what we can do to, to make the face look younger that way. And again, the goal, what is the goal? The goal is to restore facial volume and uh, we want healthy skin, but really what we want, the main goal is to have harmony and, um, within the face itself, but also with other regions, such as the neck and the hands. Do I sound very echoey to you? I sound echoey to me. Do I need to get closer, maybe? All right, so what is the approach in doing combination treatments? First, you want to refresh the skin. Topical skincare products, about which yes, I am very passionate. Chemical peels, fractional or, or non-ablative or ablative resurfacing, IPL, um, any of those type of light energy-based treatments, or things to treat the surface as well. And then there's chemodenervation with botulinum toxin type A to relax the wrinkles and lines that are due to hyperkinetic or hypertonic muscles. Well, sometimes we can actually use those to also do some shaping, such as using botulinum toxin A to uh, reduce the um, hypertrophic masseters. So that would be another use for it. But we also do fillers or biostimulators to replace age-related volume loss. That's really the underlying cause of some of the lines that we see on the face that make us look older. So in terms of refreshing the skin, um, and again, I, even though this is combination uh, neuromodulators and fillers i can 't leave out the top you know the skin part of it because what good is it to to have relaxed wrinkles and and full volume if the canvas itself of the skin doesn 't look healthy as well So home care again, you can do photo protection topical agents there 's office based procedures, and I always emphasize to patients that there are some office based procedures that we do such as treating vascular component uh, more so than the hyperpigment and in the office. But, but really the home, the, what the patient does at home is so much more important than what we can do in an hour or so at the office. Um, again, home care and office-based. Um, and I'm not sure why, oh yeah, for the vascular and for the hyperpigmentation, so for both. Uh, in terms of relaxing the wrinkles, there's chemo denervation with botulinum toxin A. And, uh, and again, we're gonna try to treat selectively those uh, opposing muscle groups. That are, we have elevators and we have depressors. So, by manipulating uh, the balance of those, we can, we can change some of the features on the face as well. In the US, available for cosmetic use, we have onobotulinum toxin A and we have apobotulinum toxin A. And I will mention, I was updating my slides last night uh, on, a third, uh, on a third neuromodulator that's been approved as well. And, uh, well, here we go. So we have Onobotulinum toxin A, which is uh, the Botox that we know, Botox Cosmetic. It's also approved medically. It's by Allergan. There's Abobotulinum toxin A, or Dysport, uh, which is um, manufactured by Ipsen, but in the United States it's distributed by Metasys. And there's a third one, and, in fact, I'm heading for a meeting there tomorrow, that's by MERS, and it's called Incobotulinum toxin A, or Xeomin. Uh, that is actually already approved medically in the United States for blepharospasm and for cervical dystonia, as are, as are the other neuromodulators. So onabotulinotoxin A, or or, or Botox, um, it comes in 100-unit vials and 50-unit vials. It is FDA-approved for glabellar frown lines. And any other time that we use it for any other types of lines on the face, that is truly still considered off-label. doesn't mean that it's not approved. I mean, it's not that it's not... It's not illegal to do that. It's just not specifically FDA approved for those uses, and and it really is a single-use vial, whether it's 100 units or 50 units. Although commonly we do use it in the same way that we can use lidocaine, for example, as a multi-multi-use multiple dose um, vial. But in Nevada, stemming from some litigation there a couple of years ago, the 50-unit uh, vials came about. So. That, that's something to keep in mind. On-label reconstitution is still 2.5 mLs for the 100-unit vial. It would be half of that for the 50-unit vial. And it is preservative-free saline. We use preserved saline off, most often, and that's only because the, the um, alcohol uses a preservative in the saline, uh, gives an anesthetic effect. But for all intents and purposes, using preserved saline is still considered off-label, and whether or not you want to put that in your, in your consent forms is up to you. Uh, the same with abobotulinum toxin A, Dysport or Ibsen. When it's distributed by Medicis for cosmetic use, it's in 300 unit vials. When it's by Galdarma for medical use, it's in the 500 unit vials. And again, for cosmetic approval, it's FDA approved for glabellar lines. And um, again, it's a single use vial, but most commonly we use it as a as multi patient vial. On label reconstitution is, two point, is 1.5 or 2.5 mLs of preservative free saline. Uh, but again, we use uh, commonly use. Uh, preserved saline as well. Personally, I typically will use uh, a 3ml uh, dilution uh, for it, even though that's considered off-label, and I can mention afterwards why I like that particular one. The um, third neuromodulator, and I like that word neuromodulator, it sounds less threatening to patients than neurotoxin, is, uh, is, is basiumin. Actually, in Europe, it's called beaucouture. And uh, so it was recently approved to treat cervical dystonia and uh, blepharospasm, I think that was in August of this year. Cosmetic approval is pending, but probably not too far off. And it also comes in 150 unit vials, but unlike the other ones that are already available, it does not need refrigeration prior to reconstitution and uh, the other main difference is it doesn't have any of what are called the complexing proteins when um, when botulinum toxin is produced it actually is, it's surrounded by complexing proteins that protect it when it goes into the body now either one of them whether it's the um, the other two the onobotulinum toxin or abobotulinum toxin they do have uh, complexing proteins around it, but those are immediately shed upon injection, so really what's doing the work for any of the three neuromodulators is the 150 kilodalton core uh, at the heart of the, this. But whether or not the complexing proteins have any um, have any uh, importance or significance in terms of activity remains to be seen. But in the, in this case, though, it's still considered a naked uh, toxin, but what I find interesting about Xeomin uh, uh, and or Incobotulinum Toxin is that uh, the units are the same as the as the units for now. We'll have to say for the Botox brand in this case. But also fascinating is that no refrigeration is needed, as well. So what's really important to remember before we get to you know, progress is that the units are not equivalent and in reading the product insert even for Inco Botulinum toxin A or Xeomin it also says that its units although they're on a one-to-one uh, are also not equivalent to any of the other uh, neuromodulators that are out there. So the units are not, in exchange- are not interchangeable. Now I use about half and half in my practice. So what, what I had mentioned is that I like to do 3ml uh, reconstitution for the Dysport brand. And the reason I like that is because when I inject, most often I'm injecting now by volumes. I'm not really looking at this. At, I'm not thinking about how many units, but I'm thinking of how many mLs. So I typically will inject either with an on-label reconstitution of Botox brand with 2.5 in a 100-unit vial. I'm using four units per 0.1 mLs for a tenth of a cc. If I'm doing Dysport off-label reconstitution, 3 mLs, for the 300-unit vial, well, you can figure out then that that 100 units will be in 1 ml or 10 units, 10 disport units. They're actually called Spaywood units, but nobody uses that. So the, uh, the 10 units in a tenth of, of, a, of a cc would be, at a, assuming a conversion factor of 2.5 disport units per Botox, per one Botox unit, which is most commonly published in the literature, then 1 tenth, of a CC of either one. If you didn't know what syringe you were holding because you'd overslept, because you've changed time zones too too frequently, then you would know that no matter what you did, you put in at the worst, you put in four units of Botox or 10 units of Dysport, and they're gonna be roughly uh, equivalent. The The most important thing to remember though is that the injection strategy, the treatment strategy is exactly the same. So other uses of chemo denervation in my practice would be prior to filler injections, especially for the lower face. Again, lower face injections of neuromodulators being off-label. But I like to decrease the movement in a particular area to reduce mechanical breakdown of the product. And uh, I also like to do it prior to laser resurfacing or radiofrequency treatments to decrease muscular activity during neocollagenesis. And that way, when you're making new collagen bundles, you're not putting them into pre-existing lines. You're getting to start fresh. And typically speaking, I'll do the injections about two weeks prior to the treatment in the ideal world. Now, in terms of replacing the volume, uh, there's age-related loss of volume, loss of soft tissue um, and bone mass. And I really wanted to put in some some other references, and I'll try to get those for you afterwards. But there's some great papers by, uh, by Pessa and by Rorick here from Southwestern. Uh, in Dallas and uh, from the plastic surgery department talking about the different uh, fat compartments in the face and we're learning so much more about how fillers can be used uh, in other areas to regain that youthful face but again this is a three-dimensional approach it's not a two-dimensional approach you've heard this many times probably from me as well but we're not filling lines we're really trying to regain the shape of the face as well folds and sagging and it's hard sometimes for patients to grasp this but they're really the result of volume loss And so I tell patients that, you know, I always talk to them in analogies, but basically it's like losing weight. If you don't adjust the clothes, you're going to have loose-fitting clothes. It's not that the fabric's stretched. It's just that they are now too big for the underlying support. Another comparison could be a fitted sheet that is uh, too big. Let's say you have one of those giant fitted sheets and the mattress is too thin. It's not going to work. Nothing is wrong with the mattress. Nothing is wrong with the sheet. They're just not matched to each other. And another thing to keep in mind, and this really hits home when you're trying to explain to patients why they need more than one syringe, you know, why they're going to, you know, the bottom line is they're going to spend more than what they intended to spend. Um, it's important to point out that starting at age 30, and this is regardless, this is cuts across both genders, et cetera, starting at age 30, we lose the equivalent of 5 cc's or 1 teaspoon of facial volume. Now, of course, when the face is full at age 30, let's say, that 5 cc's relative to the whole isn't very much, but as we get older and there's less less volume left behind, that 5 cc's takes on a significance. So if you wanted to be really technical about it, you could use 5 cc's of a filler, whether it's hyaluronic acid uh, or any other type of filler, at age 30, and you really wouldn't necessarily, with proper placement, uh, probably more deeply, you wouldn't be distorting that person's face, you would just be having a subtle restoration of volume. So we wanna talk about replacing volumes, and I'm having another talk this afternoon on that, so I won't spend too much on this. But uh, so patients see the lines, but we look for the cause of the lines. So what we really want to do is to have a seamless transition from one region of the face to the next. Kind of want to blur the borders between features. You shouldn't know, for example, where the under eye region ends and the cheek begins. It should be that nice kind of blurring of of facial contours. And, And in essence, when you really look at somebody, what defines youth is really the way that light is reflected from the face as well. So, of course, looking for volume enhancement, what's missing, where is it missing, how much is missing, and sometimes it's hard to, to give that estimate. I would love to be able to, to be right on target uh, with patients, but from you know now i more and more sort of just cop out and say, well, you know what? I won't really know until I start, and that's not really a cop out, it's the truth. So you have to look at the patient's inherent facial structure, but also general cultural considerations, ethnicity, medical history, lifestyle factors, um, again, Do they want instant gratification or delayed gratification? And how are you gonna combine that with other treatments as well? So again, uh, volume restoration would include fillers such as hyaluronic acid, calcium hydroxyl apatite, collagen, and biostimulators, again, calcium hydroxyl apatite, since it's a a biphasic um, restoration there, and poly lactic acid as well, treatment plan. Sorry if that, oh, it shows up nicely there. So treatment plan, I always have a treatment plan for patients, whether or not they know it when they come in. So what's the patient's concern? What is their goal of treatment? And it's very important that the patient tells you. You don't tell the patient, the patient has to tell you what their concern is. You might guide them down the road, but you certainly don't wanna offend anybody as well. And I even tell them when they have a mirror, you know, a handheld mirror in front of them, as I will point some things out as as the discussion comes along, I always tell them that that I say this in the spirit of education, not to make them feel badly about themselves or anything like that. And of course, setting realistic expectations is absolutely key, and of course, part of the treatment plan is evaluating the patient. But patients' concerns, uh, again, is it a dyschromia? Is it redness, texture, pores? Who, Who doesn't hate their pores? There, there isn't, and I have to generalize this, even even men hate their pores as well, but I often take a little um, a little scan of, uh, I'll do one of those Canfield uh, Vizia scans and to see where they are with their pores. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of times in terms of wrinkles, they'll have incredibly good scores and, and good parameters in, in many other areas, but the pores will come out larger relative to what they were expecting. And honestly, what happens is as you start to have volume depletion, and loss of collagen as well as support around the follicle, around the pore, then the pores do become more accentuated. So it's not just about oiliness uh, or sebaceous uh, glands, it also has everything to do with volume in the skin. And it sometimes pores is a nice way to point out uh, that volume would be a nice, a nice modality for that patient. So again, are they wrinkles associated with facial expression? Are they wrinkles that are at rest? And is it loose, uh, loose skin or sagging skin as well? And again, with patient goals, what does the patient want, something instant? Do they have a, a, an upcoming you know event, a reunion, a wedding, something like that? And uh, are they willing to wait for the results? Do they want a subtle improvement? Do they want a dramatic change? This is where it gets kind of tricky. Excuse me one second. Patients all say they want subtle improvement, and they but what they really want is kind of a dramatic change that others will come up and say, you look fantastic, but don't really know what was happened. And that's where the the artistry comes in with this, is they have to notice a change that's noticeable to them, not just in the photographs that we take to point out to the patient. But, um, but at the same time, they don't want to look done. So, so that's the challenge in a lot of this. And uh, so we talked about, is there any special events? So realistic expectations. Listen and watch your patient. It's the, the consultation, I think, is really, really important. And a lot of times, the, the worst thing that happens on my schedule will say, people will come in and say they want um, a consultation, but they might want treatment that day. And then they give me 30 minutes, and then I know my day is completely doomed that I'll never get back on track again because the consultation at least can take 30 minutes. Um, and uh, look for those red flags. Is there too much flattery going on? Are they criticizing other physicians? Are, look how they interact with the office staff. Are they just double, you know, double personality? Horrible, horrible to your office staff, but very sweet to you. Those are things to look for. Look for inappropriate behavior. And if your gut instinct says don't do it, please don't do it because you're, you're going to regret this down the road. There's some people that you can absolutely never make happy because they're not happy within themselves. So evaluation of the patient again, history, medical problems, medical, you know, look at the medications. It's really important to know what medications they're on, uh, including herbal supplements as well, and uh, lifestyle habits. Are they smokers? Do they get a lot of sun? Do they do tanning beds? Do they work out quite a bit? What type of work do they do? Is there a surgical history as well? It's amazing how patients will not divulge uh, surgical, prior cosmetic surgeries, even though I have that on my intake on my medical form. They'll say, oh doctor, I didn't think a facelift was really a, a surgery. You know, it's not like having your gallbladder removed or something, but those are those are things that you need to know. Why? Because if you are gonna do, for example, chemo denervation, treat the crow's foot area, and let's say that they've had a blepharoplasty, are you in, in risk of, ha- of uh, creating a situation where they can't really close their eyes at night, and maybe Maybe they're going to get dry eye and problems from there. So look at that. Look at that as well. Physical examination, of course, is important. But so is a psychological examination. Treatment approach. Sorry for these very busy slides, but I did it for, for your handouts as well. So you want to have that personalized treatment plan. Expectations, photographs. I cannot overestimate the importance of photographs, and that's a challenge for me. And I'm finally going to cave in and and invest in a in a much more uh, sophisticated equipment so I can have reproducible photographs, and and not struggle with what I'm. Well, you're going to see some of them, and uh, so I like to do the botulinum toxin A first. At, at the initial visit and, and then follow up two weeks later uh, with the filler as well. And, uh, and it's important to do those follow-ups for, for fillers or for uh, resurfacing as well. So potential complications, complications related to botulinum toxin type A. Well, you can have lid browtosis, brow asymmetric smile, problems with speech, drooling, etc., in addition to all the wonderful black box warnings on the, um, on the product inserts now. Uh, what I do now for doing for doing that is I actually just have a sheet on the chart, and uh, each time the patient comes in for treatment, even if they've been coming in for 10 years, they reinitial that we've gone through the um, through the side effects, potential side effects and complications, and uh, but some people say that if you have a consent form for one year, uh, that, that that might be good as well. But I would con- I would actually probably just consult with um, with either an attorney or with your malpractice carrier on that. Complications related to fillers, well the most most commonly it has to do with injection technique and not really the product itself, and uh, so that's something to keep in mind. So combined treatment sequence, Glabellar frown lines, I would do. First the neuromodulator, and then the filler, and the only filler I use in this area is hyaluronic acid. I know some some use other things. I'm just always worried about vascular compromise, whether it's from compression or from uh, intravascular placement, although that can certainly be avoided by by drawing back on the syringe. And, um, And for the lower face, I also do the same thing, treating periorally, depressor anguli oris mentalis, and then wait a couple of weeks as well. Um, in terms of uh, periorbital regions, such as the crow's feet, tear trough, uh, depression, atrophy of lateral orbital rim, again, I do the neuromodulator uh, first and then wait a couple of weeks. Keep your injections for crow's feet high. Do not just, just lateral to the, med- to the lateral canthus. Uh, don't come down on zygomaticus or you're actually going to uh, cause a real hollowing out under the eyes um, as well. And uh, again, I, I try to do those injections first. And why don't I do? And I really want to emphasize the eye area, because this is an area that is especially prone to trouble. And that's where, when somebody refers, uh, either patient self-refers or or another uh, treating physician refers, um, it's usually because of of trouble in that area. So the reason, again, that I don't do it is because there's really a potential for prolonged periorbital edema in this region. Um, Typically, uh, fillers um, that are used in the, to treat the tear troughs will include hyaluronic acid. Some, uh, can, you can use calcium hydroxyl apatite. I'm kind of modernizing my view on that in that area. But if you think about specifically what HAs do, they can hold a 1,000 times their weight and volume. So if you're already having an area that's going to be prone to edema by the very nature of the product that you're injecting, And at the same time, what is the purpose of just thinking about what does a neuromodulator do? Well, you're having, basically, you're going to have decreased muscle movement. That's what we want to treat hyperkinetic lines. But at the same time, the the orbicularis oculi is a lymphatic pump. So you're draining fluid in the area. So if you're decreasing the ability to drain fluid, and at the same time, you're using something that's going to add to the fluid in the area, I promise you that you will have um, they, well, I can't promise for everybody, but I can, you have a much higher, higher risk of having periorbital edema and not necessarily excess products. So I've seen people run and use their hyaluronidase when really what they needed to do was just wait a little bit and, uh, and wait for that edema to subside as some of the muscle recovered from the botulinum toxin A injection. So some case studies. What's more fun? Boy, I'm zipping right through this. We're actually going to be done on time or even early. So case studies, and I'm happy to discuss any of these afterwards with with anybody who has specific questions. So this is a patient that I started treating a few years ago, and really what she came for was for acne. And uh, I actually gave her a five-month course of isotretinoin, And we also did monthly salicylic acid peels for post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. I can throw in a word here that I love salicylic acid, especially in darker skin types, because salicylic acid being from the willow bark is an anti-inflammatory, think aspirin as well. So it's very, very well tolerated in contrast to other peels. But since we're talking combination treatments, I thought I'd mention that. Um, So we did that, but she happens to be, even though she's four foot 11, she's a competitive bodybuilder. And she had said to me, oh, can you just fill in those, uh, and I'm sure I was told how to use the pointer and forgot, but she, was, uh, she told me, can you fill in those lines that run from my nose to the corners of the, my mouth, they make me look tired. Well, if you look at her, she has no cheeks. The woman has 6% body fat, uh, is constantly working out, so it would, uh, she does not have HIV, it almost looks like somebody with HIV lipoatrophy as well, so her additional concerns included uneven eyebrow height, forehead lines that made her look worried, lines running from the nose, what I had mentioned, and she basically just wanted to look healthier for competitions. So what I did afterwards, and this is what I meant by photography, because this was taken when I still used a Polaroid and I had to scan it, but can't be altered that way. So what I did was, uh, and this is February of of 2006, we did 20 units, at the time the only cosmetically approved one was Botox brand, but we did 20 units of of Botox um, to the glabellar complex, two units to the right lateral forehead to relax those lines, but not overly treat the lines, or she was going to have brow and um, two units to the left tail of the brow and six units to the upper frontalis as well. Um, If somebody tells me how to use the pointer, I'll point something out, no pun intended. I'm sure it was up here. Do we have a laser pointer? It's here in front of this thing. Ha ha! sorry about that. All right, so what I like to do is, when we wanna go ahead and lift some of the, the eyebrow, what I like to do is, to treat just stay high and toward the center for botulinum toxin injections because in treating this and leaving some of that muscle activity that's going to overcompensate hopefully in a good way and give you a little bit of a lift. When I talked about two units on the lateral forehead I meant preventing that kind of spock or pointy eyebrow on the sides as well and then when I talk about the tail of the brow we're doing really lateral uh, orbicularis oculi which is a brow depressor so you're trying to achieve a balance of releasing this to get a little bit of a lift, but at the same time, treating this part of the frontalis to overlift, but not treating all the way straight across so that you don't end up with a very heavy forehead as well. Uh, the other thing we did was um, hyaluronic acid filler uh, on March 6th, and I actually did four CCs to the, to the upper cheeks, and uh, followed a month later by calcium hydroxyl apatite for the lower face, lateral to the nasolabial folds, treating this area uh, 1.3 cc's, that was the, the largest syringe available at the time, one, uh, one syringe on each side as well. So you can definitely mix, uh, mix your fillers as well, but you can see that she had quite a bit of uh, volume already replaced as well. So to go from start to finish, this would be her before in February of 06, and her eyebrows are a little bit more even, not perfect, but a little bit more even. And I apologize that she's wearing eyelashes there and, and not, not in there. But, uh, but again, she is, and this is her after picture. And I know her lips should have been touching and they weren't. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to become more, more, uh, more standardized in my photography as well. Uh, this was this was a really fun patient to treat because she's the mother-in-law of my uh, very beloved uh, Allergan rep, my Allergan cosmetic rep. So this is his mother-in-law, and she happens to also sing um, at a at the church choir at a very 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 large church that also broadcasts across the United States. So she's on the jumbotron, and her complaint. Um, at the time was, and she was 59 when the picture was taken, but then she turned 60. Uh, Her complaints were marionette lines. And uh, again, I apologize that she's wearing eyeliner there. She has some permanent makeup, but I think there's a little bit more eyeliner that makes the eye look slightly more rounded at the bottom. But her complaints were the marionette lines, sagging of the jawline, eyes looking tired, kind of sad. And what I had mentioned is that she sings in front of quite a few people. So this is February of 08. And uh, what did we do for her? And that is, yes, that's a bruise. And uh, you can see that's her permanent makeup. So what we did for her was I treated the glabellar complex with 20 units. And in her case, I did use Botox brand because her son-in-law provided the, the material. And uh, you know that would be silly to say, no, I'm going to use Dysport on you. <laughs> and uh, crow's feet, I did uh, 10 units per side, just a little laterally. And uh, upper forehead, again, and I know she has her hair there, 10 units. And the mentalis also treated with six units, as well as on um, the depressor. A- um, or as four units per side. I also treated her uh, platysmal banding, uh, jawline and the vertical uh, bands, uh, 24 units per side. That seems kind of high, but this is that so called Nefertiti lift, and I will get you the reference for that. I may have it in my references. But the idea there is thinking that the platysmal bands also act as depressors for the jawline. Um, so I, I went ahead and treated that. So, of course, you know, being that money was no object, I, I went to town. And uh, in terms of hyaluronic acid fillers, we did eight syringes of 0 mLs of, uh, well, this would have been Juvederm brand of hyaluronic acid. I actually treated the temporal region, the lateral orbital rim, this area in, in here, and, um, and those were super, super periosteal placement. Treated the cheeks as well the perioral platform, what I call this area around, because we actually did not treat her lips, although people wanted to know if her lips had been treated, but I don't. I treat the area around the mouth as well, and only rarely will I go in and treat, uh, treat the body of the lip. And uh, also treated the perimental depressions or that pre-gel sulcus as well. There's that lovely bruise. And um, so there, there's that picture. So the, here's her picture on February uh, 7th, and, uh, and then there it is on February um, 20-something. 21st and um, those two weeks difference and I will tell you that I broke my rule and uh, did the chemo denervation and the filler on the same day. And uh, since this time, what's important to note is that since this time, I only have to do very little touch-up on her once, maybe twice a year. Having done all that volume from the very beginning really gave us a nice head start. And, uh, and if I could just correct for the, uh, you know, for the bruiser, that would be a fabulous picture. But I didn't want to lie and say I didn't bruise her. And um, so that way. Uh, but you can see the, the improvement under the eye area. You can certainly see that she has a more oval effect to the face. Uh, The lips seem to have have changed, but she's not struggling to close her mouth now because she has plenty of volume, ample volume, that allows her lips to touch without having to force them closed in that area. And um, probably could still use some more in the temporal region. But one of the things I wanted to point out here is that, again, we talk about the triangle of youth. We talk about, in a younger face, wider in this region, narrower in this region. And as we get older, we start to get this inverted triangle where it's heavier on the bottom part of the face and, uh, and more tapered up in here. I've also heard it put as having like peanut heads where you have temporal atrophy. You've got the forehead and then the face gets longer and we do kind of look like peanuts afterwards. So, oh, this one has animation, surprise. So combination treatment for asymmetric lips. So in this case, I did treat some of her lips. So her complaint was uneven lips, no history of any kind of treatment. She wanted even but not fuller lips. So this is her before picture. So what did we do? Well, let me just back up one second um, here. You notice that she also had that that crease uh, across the mentalis there. So what I did was I treated eight units with um, uh, the mentalis. So I just did a single-point injection there. And it's fairly superficial. This is not a deep injection at all. And, uh, and then used four units on each side of a depressor anguli oris. Be careful when treating this region, because it's really easy to get the depressor labii inferioris. I have done that. I've given people that strange uh, asymmetric smile. So a lot of fibers run together. So be very, very careful. And, and it's, rather t- it's better to start with fewer units and then add to it. And then I used hyaluronic acid filler. And I think in this case, um, I went ahead and used Restylane in, in this particular patient. And I did some in the right upper lip body as well, as well as on the right perimental depression and the right oral commissure as well. So you don't have to treat patients symmetrically. What you do on the left doesn't have to be done on the right. You can do, you can do one and one. You can, you can treat as needed. And again, there's her, her before and there's her after. There's nothing dramatic on this, but really the problem was Overactive muscle as well here, and uh, and a little bit of, of missing a little bit of missing lip and a little bit of missing volume on that in that region as well. So they can be little treatments. Sometimes those little ones take longer to do than the than the big treatments, as well. Uh, this is another patient, and uh, 37 at the time. This is in 2003. Her concerns were that she looked older than than what she felt, and well, that's everybody's concern, right? Almost everybody will say that they look a lot that they feel like they look younger than, uh, than they are, but they also feel like they, that they're younger than, than they look. It's, it's another paradox there. But uh, sagging, looking tired, uh, can't avoid sun, lives on a ranch, plays tennis, and uh, happened to have a history of urticaria pigmentosa and basal cells as well. Uh, she was a cosmetic patient first, but as I normally do, and as I'm sure you do with your patients as well, you want to make sure that you're not missing any underlying medical problems either. So... Um, Anyway, so treated the glabellar complex with 20 units, crow's feet with 10 units per side, and uh, depressor angular units, five units per side on her. And uh, in terms of smile lines, and at the time, well, the only one that was approved was uh, Restylane brand, uh, not even uh, not even And we treated smile lines, the ocular malar crease, perioral platform, nasolabial folds, specifically the piriform fossa. I'm, I've become a big fan of treating this area deeply to go ahead and lift and evert the lips as well. Uh, again we did chemical peels as well for her pigmentation concerns such as salicylic acid, glycolic acid, and we did this every four to six weeks and, uh, and you can see certainly in the, in the lower face you can see that she does look a lot smooth, more relaxed and I will say that right now this would be a patient in whom I would use poly lactic acid or Sculptra and we, in fact we have graduated her to those treatments as well because she's okay with delayed gratification and uh, so for all overall uh, volume enhancement. Uh, Again, combination treatment of of frown lines, particularly in some of our Hispanic patients, they have really, really, really strong muscles, but because they have melanin that acts as a natural sunscreen, fine lines don't appear nearly as early on, but rather some hyperkinetic furrows. So this is January of 02, this is pre-treatment of anything, and then this is taken February of 02, after actually 40 units and uh yeah you can see from the distance there that it does look like it had some effect but in her mind it really didn't do much of anything so then i went ahead and added some filler in this region and got a little bit more improvement still had quite a bit of work to do regarding the pigmentary differences since she had been frowning for years and some of the uh the pigment within the furrows themselves was was another concern and um and so that was that was that one i don't know why i have a repeat over here but uh that one is not, uh, we don't need to, to redo hers. That, I guess that went out of order somehow. Somehow that got out of order. So, uh, so with, back to this patient. People always told her that she looked angry or stressed. She had the dyschromia. And uh, again, two weeks later, she wasn't that happy. She's really, really nice, but she still wasn't uh, elated over her results. And um, so what we went ahead and did is, so this is just pre- and, and post-Botox only, and you can see some of her forehead is also relaxed. I left a little bit of lines there. And, um, and again, yeah, I don't know how this got duplicated. Obviously, this was not the final presentation on my flash drive. <laughs> and um, let me back up a little bit here and, and again point out that and over years, and I don't have her most recent pictures. I continue to see her. She has absolutely no pigment left. She has a very, very, very smooth um, Glabellar complex, and she only comes in now once a year to uh, to do the Botox or or Dysport or whatever I happen to have on hand, and we've never had to repeat the fillers again. The the filler was was really just the one time the one time thing for her, and and that goes to uh, that's also what, for example, the Carruthers have shown that doing combination treatments, if you do a neuromodulator alone, uh, the duration can be uh, or a filler alone, the duration of results will be about 18 weeks, but if you combine them, you can get 32 weeks as a result uh, with that. So uh, with that said, it's odd, but I'm actually on time. Um, I'm actually open to questions. I did this on purpose, so if you had any questions, I'll be happy to answer them for you. Thank you. Yes. Um,
0: Recently, I had a patient in my office who wanted to have Botox, um, but she was planning to get pregnant within around the next six months. What is your recommendation to women who anticipate getting pregnant in the future?
1: And do, it, the do it as close before your pregnancy as possible, because really it's <laughs> metabolized rather quickly.
0: So what, how long do you wait? Like, she gets Botox, how long should she wait?
1: I mean, if you really want to be safe, maybe a month. But, uh, but it's very, very quick. And, uh, and, and basically, binding occurs within, you know, within hours. And again, the complexing proteins are already, um, they're, they're instantly uh, metabolized upon injection of that, so of the, of the neuromodulator, and, and truthfully, I've actually injected patients that didn't know that they were pregnant at the time, and there was, there was no problem, and we're using very, very small units cosmetically. Thank you. Sure.
0: Um, lately, I've been having patients coming back after they had their eyes done, saying it didn't even last a month and uh, with the Botox, and I've been noticing in your slides that you're using about 10 units per eye and I've been doing about six to eight, so have you been getting the three to four
1: months with the 10 units? Yes, Um, I I don't go lower than 10 units because you can get a result even with four, but it's not gonna be the duration, which the important point, again, with neuromodulators is that it does have a dose, you know, dose, uh, the number of units you use will will relate directly to the longevity as well for most, you know, for most patients.
0: And are you doing about two units, but Five injections, or
1: I do about uh, three, uh, about three, three and four. Okay. but it really depends. Sometimes I'll do a single. It depends where their veins are as well, and, and really on the shape of the of the eye itself. It also depends if I want to lift some of that lateral brow, as well. But I, I typically will do about about three units per point. Unless you're I'm going three under to four the months. eye.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're getting three to four months with them being happy with that.
1: And they're not going to get more than three to four months' duration because you're only treating part of the, the orbicularis oculi. Remember, it's, a, complete, it's, it's mm-hmm. a sphincter muscle, so you cannot treat the whole muscle. So you're going to have some recruitment no matter what. So it's not like when you're treating proceras and corrugators where you can actually denervate a lot more of the muscle. In this case, with orbicularis oculi, you're only going to treat part of the muscle. So the duration is going to be less. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, thanks don't for, be shy.
0: Um, thanks for coming back. We, we Thank always you for enjoy, inviting me again. always enjoy having you. Last year you talked a little bit about epidermal growth factors and you're not a fan of them.
1: In creams and um, cosmetics, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, I talked about. Oh, I guess that, that left a lot of uh, <laughs> that left people curious. So, being on a separate on a separate topic and back on skincare, uh, I had talked about uh, some of the growth factors that are used on the skin, and that I particularly had took issue. But I don't want to offend anybody with uh, with products that contain vascular vascular endothelial growth factor or or Vegf only because with my my personal experience with melanoma, people who've had melanoma or or may be prone to melanoma have 10 times uh, higher circulating levels of of VEGF in their system, so I would think that if you're applying something uh, externally to the skin and uh, there's a potential for, for skin cancer, that that perhaps might add to it, and I have an ongoing discussion. This is my personal view. This is certainly not the view of the, um, the companies that manufacture the products, but we have nice, healthy discussions still going on back and forth uh, regarding that. But what I just I'm really simplistic in my thinking. I always think that skin cancers or precancers need blood vessel, need a blood supply to grow. So why would I add to that blood supply and help it along? That's it. Might be oversimplifying it. Yes.
0: Can you show on one of the slides where you actually um, inject for the depressor
1: um, in the mentalis, like in the mother-in-law? Yes, the mother-in-law. Let me go backwards. I'm trying to go backwards on this. But I don't think I can. I guess I'll have to go forward. We'll go to the mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Okay. Happy mother-in-law. The um, I injected smack in here fairly, fairly. You don't have to go too, too though. You're treating your treating mentalis, single point injection. I occasionally, if somebody has a cleft chin, we will treat both sides. But then you really have to be careful not to get depressor labii inferioris, which will then cause them not to be able to lower that that bottom lip. And again, as people age in, in general, um, maybe that isn't so bad as people are aging because you do tend to have more lower dental show. So in that case, maybe a tiny bit of, of inject, injection of the DLI will actually look more, you know, make the mouth look more appealing. But in somebody who's younger, if you're treating this area here and then they can't lower their lip, they're gonna have that crooked smile. And it isn't always because of the depressor anguli oris. It's treating which you wanna treat a little further posterior. A lot of times I just draw a line and go behind where, you know, where it ends. So, but for mentalis, I treat this area, and I'll go anywhere from four to 10 units typically in that region. I hope that answers that. Any other questions? All right, well, we'll spend a lot more time on fillers this afternoon and how to treat complications as well. Thank you.